Good morning, everyone, and welcome to our Course in Miracles daily reading conference call. We read from the text of A Course in Miracles original edition, which is published by our dear friends at the Course in Miracles Society. You can access an online copy of the original edition by going to jcim.net, or if you mouse the link atop for online edition, you'll see the link to read A Course in Miracles OE. On that same drop-down, there's an option to subscribe to have both the daily text reading and the lesson for the day sent to your email from the Course in Miracles Society. My name is Lori Cameron. This call is Monday through Friday from 9.15 to 10.45 a.m. Eastern. And today we continue our reading of Chapter 18, The Dream and the Reality, with Section 8, I Need Do Nothing. We're also mindful of our lesson today, which, like all the lessons in this review, are encompassed within the idea, I am not a body, I am free, for I am still as God created me. Reviewing today this thought, given first in Lesson 187, I bless the world because I bless myself. And by way of opening this morning, I would just really love to share this, um, what I consider a blessing as well as a prayer from Father Richard Rohr that I received last week. It's called Lover of All, and it goes like this. Lord, lover of life, lover of these lives, lover of our souls, lover of all that exists, In fact, it is your love that keeps it all alive. May we live in this love. May we never doubt this love. May we know that we are love, that we were created for love, that we are a reflection of you, that you love yourself in us, and therefore we are perfectly lovable. May we never doubt this deep and abiding and perfect goodness that we are because you are lover of all. What a blessing. Thank you. Amen. Thank you. Amen. Wonderful. Thank you, Lori. Wonderful. Thank you, Lori. Thank you, Lori. Thank you, Lori. Sweet place to dwell today. Okay, my friends, here's our reading list. We have Lee, Judy, Harrison, Fran, Jessica, Karen, and Lemoyne. We're joined in listening this morning by Robert Marie and Ida. Is there anyone else who's joined us would like to say good morning or be on the reading list? Hi, good morning. This is Diana, and I'm listening. Good morning, Diana. Hi, good morning. Good morning. Okay. All right. So here we go. In chapter 18, the dream and the reality, section 8, I need do nothing. Paragraph 63. You still have too much faith in the body as a source of strength. What plans do you make that do not involve its comfort or protection or enjoyment in some way? This makes it an end. 
and not a means in your interpretation. And this always means that you still find sin attractive. No one accepts atonement for himself who still accepts sin as his goal. You have thus not met your one responsibility. Atonement is not welcomed by those who prefer pain and destruction. We. Chapter 18, The Dream and the Reality. Section 8, I Need Do Nothing. You still have too much faith in the body as a source of strength. What plans do you make that do not involve its comfort or protection or enjoyment in some way? This makes it an end and not a means in your interpretation. And this always means you still find sin attractive. No one accepts atonement for himself who still accepts sin as his goal. You have thus not met your one responsibility. Atonement is not welcomed by those who prefer pain and destruction. 64. You have made much progress and are really trying to make still more. But there is one thing you've never done. Not for one instant have you utterly forgotten the body. It is faded at times from your sight, but it has not yet completely disappeared. You are not asked to let this happen for more than an instant, yet it is in this instant that the miracle of atonement happens. Afterwards, you will see the body again, but never quite the same. And every instant that you spend without awareness of it gives you a different view of it when you return. Thank you, Lee and Judy. Thank you, Lori. The dream and the reality. I need do nothing. 64. You have made much progress and are really trying to make still more. But there is one thing you have never done. Not for one instant have you utterly forgotten the body. It has faded at times from your sight, but it has not yet completely disappeared. You have not asked. You are not asked to let this happen for more than an instant. Yet it is in this instant that the miracle of atonement happens. Afterwards, you will see the body again, but never quite the same. And every instant that you spend without awareness of it gives you a different view of it when you return. At no single instant does the body exist at all. It is always remembered or anticipated but never experienced just now. Only its past and future make it seem real. Time controls it entirely, for sin is never present. In any single instant, the attraction of guilt would be experienced as pain and nothing else and would be avoided. It has no attraction now, its whole attraction is 
imaginary and therefore must be thought of in the past or in the future. Hooey. Thank you, Judy. And Harrison. Hooey, indeed. 65. At no single instant does the body exist at all. It is always remembered or anticipated, but never experienced just now. Only its past and future make it seem real. Time controls it entirely, for sin is never present. In any single instant, the attraction of guilt would be experienced as pain and nothing else, and would be avoided. It has no attraction now. Its whole attraction is imaginary and therefore must be thought of in the past or in the future. 66. It is impossible to accept the holy instant without reservation unless just for an instant you're willing to see no past or future. You cannot prepare for it without placing it in the future. Release is given you the instant you desire it. Many have spent a lifetime in preparation and have indeed achieved their instance of, of success. This course does not attempt to teach more than they learned in time, but it does aim at saving time. You are attempting to follow a very long road to the goal you have accepted. It is extremely difficult to reach atonement by fighting against sin. Enormous effort is expended in the attempt to make holy what is hated and despised. Nor is a lifetime of contemplation and long periods of meditation aimed at detachment from the body necessary. All such attempts will ultimately succeed because of their purpose. Yet the means are tedious and very time-consuming. For all of them look to the future for release. From a state of present unworthiness and inadequacy. Thank you, Harrison. And Fran. 66. 
It is impossible to accept the holy instant without reservation unless just for an instant you are willing to say no past or future. You cannot prepare for it without placing it in the future. Release is giving you the instant you share desire it. Many have spent a lifetime in preparation and have indeed achieved their instance of success. This course does not attempt to teach more than they learned in time, but it does aim at saving time. You are attempting to follow a very long road to the goal you have accepted. It is extremely difficult to reach atonement by fighting against sin. Enormous effort is expanded in the attempt to make holy what is hated and despised. Nor is a lifetime of contemplation and long periods of meditation aimed at detachment from the body necessary. All such attempts will ultimately succeed because of their purpose. Yet the means are tedious and very time-consuming, for all of them look to the future for release from a state of present unworthiness and inadequacy. 67. Your way will be different, not in purpose, but in means. A holy relationship is a means of saving time. One instant spent together restores the universe to both of you. You are prepared. Now you need but to remember you need do nothing. It would be far more profitable now merely to concentrate on this than to consider what you should do. When peace comes at last to those who wrestle with temptation and fight against the giving in to sin, when the light comes at last into the mind given to contemplation, or when the goal is finally achieved by anyone, it always comes with just one happy realization. Quote, I need do nothing. Unquote. Thank you, friend. And Jessica. 67. Your way will be different, not in purpose, but in means. A holy relationship is a means of saving time. One instant spent together restores the universe to both of you. You are prepared. Now you need but to remember you need do nothing. It would be far more profitable now merely to concentrate on this than to consider what you should do. When peace comes at last to those who wrestle with temptation and fight against the giving in to sin, when the light comes at last into the mind given to contemplation, or when the goal is finally achieved by anyone, it always comes with just one happy realization. I need do nothing. Here is the ultimate release which everyone will one day find in his own way, at his own time. We do not need this time. Time has been saved for you because you are together. This is the special means this course is using to save you time. You are not making use of the course if you insist on using means which have served others well, neglecting what was made for you. Save time for me 
by only this one preparation and practice, doing nothing else. Quote, I need do nothing, unquote, is a statement of allegiance, a truly undivided loyalty. Believe it for just one instant and you will accomplish more than is given to a century of contemplation or of struggle against temptation. Thank you, Jessica. And Karen. 68. Here is the ultimate release, which everyone will one day find in his own way at his own time. We do not need this time. Time has been saved for you because you are together. This is the special means this course is using to save you time. You are not making use of the course if you insist on using means which have served others well, neglecting what was made for you. Save time for me by only this one preparation and practice, doing nothing else. Quote, I need do nothing, unquote, is a statement of allegiance, a truly undivided loyalty. Believe it for just one instant and you will accomplish more than is given to a century of contemplation or a struggle against temptation. To do anything involves the body. And if you recognize you need do nothing, you have withdrawn the body's value from your mind. Here is the quick and open door through which you slip past centuries of effort and escape from time. This is the way in which sin loses all attraction right now. For here is time denied and past and future gone. Who need do nothing has no need for time. To do nothing is to rest and make a place within you where the activity of the body ceases to demand attention. Into this holy place, the Holy Spirit comes, excuse me, into this place, the Holy Spirit comes and there abides. He will remain when you forget and the body's activities return to occupy your conscious mind. Thank you, Karen. And Lemoyne. To do anything involves the body. And if you recognize you need do nothing, you have withdrawn the body's value from your mind. Here is the quick an open door through which you slip past centuries of effort and escape from time. This is the way in which sin loses all attraction right now. For here is time denied and past and future gone. Who need do nothing has no need for time. To do nothing is to rest 
and make a place within you where the activity of the body ceases to demand attention. Into this place the Holy Spirit comes and there abides. He will remain when you forget and the body's activities return to occupy your conscious mind. <clears throat> Yet there will always be this place of rest to which you can return. And you will be more aware of this quiet center of the storm than all its raging activity. This quiet center in which you do nothing will remain with you, giving you rest in the midst of every busy doing on which you are sent. For from this center will you be directed how to use the body sinlessly. It is this center from which the body is absent that will keep it so in your awareness of it. Thank you, Lemoyne. And is there a new reader to finish with paragraph 70? Ida? Well, thanks, Ida. You're welcome. 70. Yet there will always be this place of rest to which you can return. And you will be more aware of this quiet center of the storm than all its raging activity. This quiet center, in which you do nothing, will remain with you, giving you rest in the midst of every busy doing on which you are sent. For from this center will you be directed how to use the body sinlessly. It is this center from which the body is absent that will keep it so in your awareness of it. Amen. Thank you, Ida. So to summarize from this beautiful section eight, I need do nothing. In that first paragraph, you still have too much faith in the body as a source of strength. No one accepts atonement for himself who still accepts sin as his goal. You thus have not met your one responsibility. In 64, you've made much progress and are really trying to make still more, but there is one thing you have never done. Not for one instant have you utterly forgotten the body. You are not asked to let this happen for more than an instant, yet it is in this instant that the miracle of atonement happens. In 65, at no single instant does the body exist at all. It is always remembered or anticipated, but never experienced just now. Only its past and future make it seem real. Time controls it entirely, for sin is never present. In 66, it is impossible to accept the holy instant without reservation, unless for just an instant you are willing to see no past or future. You cannot prepare for it without placing it in the future. Release has given you the instant you desire it. It is extremely difficult to reach atonement by fighting against sin, 
Nor is the lifetime of contemplation and long periods of meditation aimed at detachment from the body necessary. The means are tedious and very time-consuming for all of these look to the future for release from a state of present unworthiness and inadequacy. In 67, your way will be different, not in purpose, but in means. A holy relationship is a means of saving time. One instant spent together restores the universe to both of you. You are prepared. Now you need but to remember you need do nothing. It would be far more profitable now merely to concentrate on this than to consider what you should do. When peace comes at last, it always comes with just one happy realization. <laughs> I need to do nothing. In paragraph 68, time has been saved for you because you are together. This is the special means this course is using to save you time. Same to save time for me by only this one preparation and practice doing nothing else. Quote, I need do nothing. End quote is a statement of allegiance, a truly undivided loyalty. 69. If you recognize you need do nothing, you have withdrawn the body's value from your mind. Here is the quick and open door through which you slip past centuries of effort and escape from time. To do nothing is to rest and make a place within you where the activity of the body ceases to demand attention. Into this place, the Holy Spirit comes and there abides, and he will remain with you when you forget. Seventy, this quiet center in which you do nothing will remain with you, giving you rest in the midst of every busy doing on which you are sent. This center... You will be directed how to use the body sinlessly. It is this center from which the body is absent that you will that will keep it so in your awareness of it. Amen. And the floor is open. Great job, Lori. Thank you. Thank you, Lori. Yes, thank you, Lori. Good morning, it's Karen. Um, I just really love this is this is like the quintessential reason why I adore the course because it says it it, it concentrates on who our true self is and not the mistakes we've made and all the self identification with sin of the ego. It dismisses as illusion, and it, it directs us back to really touching the truth of what we are, which is sinless, holiness, oneness with God. I never got that sense in all the years that I was doing other kinds of practices. I mean, I did all the other practices. I did all the meditation, and I did all the selfless service, all the work, you know, body renunciation things like that but i could never break that feeling of being unworthy feeling guilty being identified with the past of my mistakes and my childhood and all the messages of childhood 
everything is gone in this. It's just um, purifies who we really are. And uh, before the before the reading began and the tape began, Lee clarified that in the course, um, sin the word sin means illusions, and sin is still attractive because illusions are still attractive. The illusion of guilt, the illusion of um, having to do something yourself to be purified, and that's a big one, like as if the ego can purify itself to come home. And, you know, if you do enough practices, you'll someday be purified. I I just love that it's turned around to say the truth is that we are pure, that we need to let the illusions of sin go and come home and let the Holy Spirit do everything for us, which is why I need do nothing. I need do nothing except um, surrender my mind to the divine to tell the truth, to be in truth. And that will be love, to find love. I'm complete. Thank you. Well, that was exceptional. Thank you, Karen. Thank you, Karen. Thank you, Karen. Thank you. Yes. uh, Thank you. This is Ida. Um, Elsewhere in the course, it says that... we did not have acts, acts or actions were not even something that were a thing before the separation. So then we all, I guess then before the separation, we always, quote unquote, did nothing. I guess that we were, we did create, but that doesn't count as doing something. Um, making, the difference he makes between, in the course between making and creating is creating would be, would be, would not be doing something, but making would. Creating is creating with God. Um, yeah. So, so that's all about this a lot over the years. What does that mean? I need do nothing. Right. Does that mean I just sit there and... <laughs> Don't eat, don't go to the bathroom and all that stuff. Well, no, no. You know, I have to do what seems like I have to do to to uh, keep my body alive. But, I mean, he's talking about a holy instant. So, you know, a holy instant, of course, only needs an instant, literally, to, to be expressed. So, anyway, those are some of the thoughts I have around the um, the truth, I need do nothing. Thanks. I'm complete. Thank, Thank you, you Ida. Ida. Thank you, Ida. Hi, it's Karen again. I just want to add something. 
Um, it also, this section is also once again um, telling us the importance of going within. Going within, it says, um, here is time denied and past and future gone. Who need do nothing have no need for time. To do no- nothing is to rest and make a place within you where the activity of the body ceases to demand attention. Into this place, the Holy Spirit comes and there abides and will remain when we have to be busy in the world again. It's like, it's like establishing our home within, coming back to establish our home within. But it's not saying it's in the future, you know, after you do a, a thousand names and you meditate for a million years and do a ton of seva and, you know, all the ways that you have to renounce your body, sleep, food, all those things. It's not putting it out there in the future after you purify for all your sins. It's not saying that. It's saying, come home right now. Come home. Holy Spirit is waiting and we can come home. And that place that we cultivate inside of ourselves, that connection, we can return to and it will remain with us. And when we go to that place, we don't do anything. We just accept. We accept the love that's there. I'm complete. Well, I so agree. Beautiful. Thanks, Karen. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Thank Karen. You. Karen. Karen. This is Jessica. Um, I'm. I'm really. Uh, I love this section, and um, I'm struck by, you know, the the fact that he's talking about a holy relationship in this section. Um, He says, a holy relationship is a means of saving time. One instant spent together restores the universe to both of you. And um, the whole, you know, it's like in our lesson, blessing myself and blessing the world. When I spend an instant together with someone in a holy moment as part of a holy relationship and I'm not doing anything except blessing them and blessing myself and blessing the world all around us, that's when I can forget and and let go of the needs or the imagined needs of the body and the, you know, the ego's urging to uh, get something or do something or be something, <laughs> something else. And, um, and in that, I, I just find it very interesting that, you know, these, uh, these other things that he's talking about that, and that Karen was referencing are very much individuality focused you know meditating forever and and chanting and doing a variety of things which i have done for periods of time and and they're wonderful they're very beautiful meditation is a very beautiful thing i I think i i think i have had moments of forgetting my body during meditation but the the holy relationship with whomever 
with a brother or sister or with a group is is a huge part of this course's teaching as in terms of um, the release of sin and temptation to sin and death and and um, the belief in in um, punishment and the lack of and the guilt the holy relationship releases me from you know thinking about myself and it and it expands my identity to include the truth of who I am which is I am one with all and with God and I don't know so I just wanted to highlight that part of it uh, about the holy relationship and one instant spent together restores the universe to both of you that's just such a beautiful promise a beautiful gift that I can choose at any time with anyone that I come in contact with. You know, I can extend my blessing to that person and invite them to a, a holy rela- relationship in a holy instant, which will restore the universe to both of us. I'm complete. Boy, thanks, thanks so much for featuring. Holy relationship. That was great, Jessica. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jessica. Yes, thank you, Jessica. Just to kind of help put that in context, it's Lee. Um, recall that he spends six solid chapters talking about the holy relationship, starting with the chapter where he introduces the idea in 17 and really develops holy relationship as an alternative to special relationship, specifically what special relationship can become when the purpose for the relationship is turned over to Holy Spirit. And uh, so we're right in the center of this very um, emphatic reference to all that holy relationship entails and all that it offers um, complete. Thank you, Lee. Thank you, Lee. Thank you, Lee. That was just a little jewel right there that you shared. Oh, good. Good morning, this is Sandra. <clears throat> and um, thanks everybody for your shares. And you know, when I start thinking about myself and my needs, it's usually connected to feeling unloved. And that's the first lie that I tell myself. When I embrace the love that is given to me, pouring down on me constantly from my creator, unconditional love. When I receive that and know that I am loved, loving and lovable, that's the holy instant. 
is remembering that I am loved, loving, and lovable, and that I am. And the holy relationship for me is is my relationship with my Creator. Remembering that I am one with my Creator, who loves me, and then loving myself the way that I'm being told that my Creator loves me, seeing myself the way. I'm being told my creator sees me as innocent, as complete and whole. But when I go through life thinking that I am unloved, there's there's the first there's that's the first mistake I've made. Or thinking that I'm not loving. And then I can when I know who I am and the love that, that I receive, and the, I can then extend it. I can bless the world. And I've blessed myself by remembering the truth that I am loved, loving, and lovable. I'm complete. Thank you, Sandra. Terrific. Thanks, Sandra. Thank you, Thank you. And just a perfect segue to the mm-hmm. hours lesson. I bless the world because I bless myself. And Fran, Fran thanks again. Oh, I wanted to say thanks and Fran at the same time. Um, <laughs> thanks again for leading our top of the hour reflection. Oh, thank you. you. Thank you, Lori. Hi, everybody. Still in the first part of the workbook. Review six. Um, This is the last review before we start the second part. And today's lesson is lesson 207. Let me get that. I bless the world because I bless myself. So I'll read a little from the introduction again. We will attempt to get beyond all words and special forms of practicing for this review. But we attempt this time to teach a quickened pace along a shorter path to the serenity and peace of God. We merely close our eyes and then forget all that we thought we knew and understood. For thus is freedom given us from all we did not know and failed to understand. There is but one exception to this lack of structure. Permit no idle thought to go unchallenged. If you notice one, deny its whole and hasten to assure your mind that this is not what it would have. Then gently let the thought which you denied be given up in sure and quick exchange with the idea we practice for the day. When you are tempted... Hasten to proclaim your freedom from temptation as you say, this thought I do not want, I choose instead. And then repeat the idea for the day and let it take the place of what you thought. Beyond such special applications of each day's idea, we will add the few formal expressions for specific thoughts to aid your practicing. Instead, We give these times of quiet to the teacher who instructs in quiet, speaks of peace, 
and gives our thoughts whatever meaning they may have. To him, I offer this review for you. I place you in his charge and let him teach you what to do and say and think each time you turn to him. He will not fail to be available to you each time you call to help. Let us offer him this whole review we now begin. And let us also not forget to whom it has been given as we practice day by day, advancing toward the goal he set for us, allowing him to teach us how to go and trusting him completely for the way each practice period can best become a loving gift of freedom to the world. Now we'll go over to the lesson. Lesson 207. I am not a body. I am free. For I am still as God created me. I bless the world because I bless myself. God's blessing shines from me from within my heart where he abides. I need but turn to him and every sorrow melts away as I accept his boundless love for me. I am not a body. I am free. For I am still as God created me. We'll take a moment and reflect on this. Lesson 207, I am not a body, I am free, for I am still as God created me. I bless the world because I bless myself. God's blessing shines upon me from within my heart where he abides. I need but turn to him, and every sorrow melts away as I accept his boundless love for me. I am not a body, I am free. For I am still as God created me. Amen. 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 Thank you, Fran. Thank you, Fran. Thanks, Fran. Thank you, Fran. Thanks, Fran. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Fran. Hi, it's Karen. I just really quickly, one little thought, and that is that what Sandra was saying about loving yourself, when you're loving yourself, you're blessing yourself. You're blessing yourself because love is of God, and 
If you're extending love to yourself, you're extending God to yourself. And once we do that, then we open to extend it to everyone, and we open to um, extending the divine to the world. Um, Just, it's just another way of, of saying that when you bless yourself, you're becoming a channel of love to the world. And then you don't project, that's what I was going to say, you don't project your ego into the world. <laughs> you know, Instead of projecting the ego illusions into the world of all the things you are feeling guilty about and all your lack of forgiveness towards yourself and all the things that you haven't finished from your childhood and your past, that is false, you know, it's becoming a clear channel and allowing that love to flow through. And that was inspired from Sandra. Thank you. I'm complete. Thank you, Karen. Thank you both. Thank you, Karen. Thanks, Karen. Thank you, Karen. Uh, this, This is Fran. That line, I need but turn to him and every sorrow melts away as I accept his boundless love for me. That reminded me of Sandra's share. I loved it so much. Thank you. Thank you, Sandra. Mm. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you. Nice. This is Jessica, and I'm just, I'm just um, really appreciating what you do for us, Fran. And you know, uh, in the in the original of this lesson, um, I bless the world because I bless myself. Um, um, let's see, where was it? Um, it uh, now I can't find it. Um, I, I guess it's, I think it's in this paragraph. Ideas must first belong to you before you give them. If you are to save the world, you first accept salvation for yourself. But you will not believe that this is done until you see the miracles it brings to everyone you look upon. Herein is the idea of giving clarified and given meaning. Now you can perceive that by your giving is your store increased. That's the part that I, you know, really was feeling with you today, Fran, when you did that lesson, when you read to us, and then people thanked you, and then you thanked us. It just felt like that. Now you can perceive that by your giving is your store increased. I saw your store increased. And, my, you know, you, it's just a beautiful expansion that happens in that giving, and I really appreciate your giving that to us. I'm complete. Oh, wow, that was great. Thank you. Love it. Very lovely. Lovely expression. Beautiful. I feel the same way. Thanks, Jessica.
when I return to that, did I talk over someone? Was someone about to speak? <laughs> I'm just uh, feeling very uh, full of uh, joy and happiness to hear all your voices. I'm just lying here in bed and just soaking it all in. So thank you for everybody for sharing, and I love your voices. And that means I love you. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for that, Robin Marie. Thank you, Robin Marie. Let us strengthen you. Feel better, dear. We love you too, Robin Marie. So the interesting thing about Lesson 187 is that it's um, one of the strongest of the places in the Course that speaks about how it is that giving in the way the Course uh, references the idea leads to the opposite conclusion about becoming more impossible being depleted as I give or being or having to part with what I give away. This is the lesson that really makes it clear that um, I value what I have and reinforce its value by giving it away. That I protect, as he says in paragraph four, protect all things I value by the act of giving them away. It ties in with the idea that everything I most value increases as I give it away. That's a joy, a sense of belonging, um, a sense of unity, a sense of uh, love, um, acceptance. These things that I most cherish being on the receiving end of because I gladly accept them from my father and from this life I increase my store of, specifically by giving it away. The first line of the lesson, 187, I bless the world because I bless myself, tells me no one can give unless he has. In fact, giving is proof of having. So if I want to know what I have ready access to, I begin giving it away. And... Everything being an idea, all that I value is increased by my giving it away because <laughs> then it's uh, shared among us, right? So it's a beautiful lesson for that reason. The first four or five paragraphs are really rich and worth revisiting. And, um, and, so, and I love the way it's recapped as well. In today's lesson, God's blessing shines upon me from within my heart where he abides. I need but turn to him and every sorrow melts away as I accept his boundless love for me. Um, Oops, I read the wrong one, but... um, No, it's the, it's the right one. It's just a little different emphasis that we have in the recap today. God's blessing shines upon me. And 
every bit of blessing that I'm in receipt of increases in me as I turn that blessing toward the world. I'm complete. Thank you, Lee. Beautiful. Thank you, Lee. Thank you, Lee. I'm, I'm going to say one more thing. I'm just full today of things to say. Um, before, when I was in the, talking about the lesson, I was talking about that emphasis on, on going within, um, where it says... I may do nothing but just go within and uh, make a place within you where the activity of the body ceases to demand attention and rest and do nothing. In the lesson, it says the same thing. Basically, it's telling us that um, we need to go within before the altar to one God, one Father, one Creator, and one thought. We stand together as one Son of God, not separate from himself who is our source, not distant from our brother, who is part of our one self, whose innocence has joined us all as one. We stand in blessedness and give as we receive. It's Once again, it's just that's the blessedness, going to the place where we experience um, our oneness with God and going within to the place that's referenced in the text too. I'm complete. Thank you, Karen. Nice share. Thanks, Karen. Hi, this is Diana. Thank you, Karen. You um, had some beautiful things to share this morning. Um, I'm sitting outside, and I'm really embracing the wind and the day and the sounds. Um, I just I love watering early, early, early in the morning. And then today I got to do that, and I've just been sitting here. Instead of holding the phone and watering, I get to sit and just enjoy a watered lawn. (laughs) And I was thinking about this lesson, and I think the power of love is the power. And when I choose to allow myself the gift of being in the holy instant of what I am doing, which is the now, then things are illuminate and they're brighter and I get to appreciate and talk to my plants as I'm watering them and thanking them for their color and their beauty and their shade and and just feeling a connection of one with them and I feel like when I do that there is something that I just I am so overwhelmed with the beauty of connected energy I think um, the kingdom of heaven is within and we have that power of choice. We can create our experiences that let us feel separate from ourselves and God, which is our identity. God is our identity, active and creative in our lives. There's no opposing power opposite of God the good. So I think the, you know, for me, the power of choice. And it's funny, when I, I think about watering the the song Joni Mitchell which is just a go-to that I'll put in and play when I'm doing dishes or you know different times I just really need to return to that feeling um, with her music Uh, the song came to me um, we've got to get ourselves back to the garden (laughs) 
<laughs> we have a state of consciousness within. We have a free will. And um, the Garden of Eden or Heaven is not a location or destination. It's us if we choose it. Um, we've never left that garden. God's substance is our, our power, our creative consciousness. And so I really feel like the power of choice can be ours in any moment when we choose to really want it, when we can release and let go of anything that is not connected with our good and our highest self. And yes, I realize we're in the body and, you know, I, we find ourselves, or I'm talking about myself, um, in, in conflict at times, but I also noticing that can return to the holy instant of just saying, hey, everything is good. There's nothing but God here. And if I stand in that love and that presence for that feeling until it comes to me, then I'm back in the garden. I'm back in place. The truth is, we've never left that. It's always us. It's always available. We choose just to stand with ourselves, which is God creative presence and power within, you know, the power of love. That is the power. I'm complete. That was really nice. Thank you, Diana. Yeah. Thank you, Diana. Thanks, Diana. You're welcome. Thank you, Diana. That was so perfect for what I was thinking of sharing. So here I go. This is Ida. Um, I used to sometimes say, I guess it was a, a variation on something that a famous rock star has said, which is the power of love is greater than the love of power. And I'm sure that it is. But what I was thinking of, about that um, before Diana spoke and then she said the, the segue right into it so perfectly is that there is really actually no other power than the power of capital L, love. There is no other power. The rest of it is illusion. That's why he can tell us and will tell us in this section, I need do nothing. The, the quote that I was reaching for before is, acts were not necessary before the separation. That's when our eyes were open, when we would really see what was really there. Um, even if we didn't have physical eyes, we would really see it, you know. Um, wow. Okay. I'm complete. Thank you. Thank you, Ida. Thank you, Ida. Thank you, Ida. Thank you, Ida. This is Lee on the reading today. I need do nothing. I've always, um, I've always approached this phrase as though it has two different meanings. One tells me that um, it's important I realize that I need to do nothing in order to arrive at an unguarded moment 
where the holy instant delivers me from all sense of the body and all sense of limitation and delivers me from all um, um, temptation of denying what's true and uh, delivers me to an experience that he calls accepting the atonement. Just being willing to accept the atonement. It's important I learn that I need to do nothing in order to arrive at that innocent, unguarded moment where the truth overtakes me. That my doing is what prevents the truth from overtaking me. (laughs) I need to sit on my hands and welcome an unguarded moment. And it has a second meaning, and that's the meaning that he refers to toward the end of the reading where he says, for everyone that comes to this penultimate moment, whether by years of meditation or by years of trying to deny uh, temptation, to everyone who ever experiences being swept up in truth, that experience comes with one happy realization and I hear him tell me the nature of that realization is to say oh my god I needed to do nothing in order that this experience be mine this experience didn't require that I earn or build or construct or develop the wisdom or instruction it didn't require anything of me I didn't have to become worthy I didn't have to sacrifice the nature of the experience is so aligned with all that I am that the experience comes with just the happy awareness my god all I had to do was step out of the way I just had to stop blocking this for one holy instant for this experience to overtake me. I needed to do nothing at all. So I need to stay out of the way and I need to recognize that my doing is unnecessary to welcome this holy instant of atonement that delivers me forever from being fully faithful to the ego's thought system and aligns me forever, aligns my heart and my being with all that I'm delivered to in that moment of atonement. There comes the truth. There comes everything that my attraction to sin and guilt had prevented, um, um, had prevented my being open to. Am I prepared to recognize how much attraction I have to the denial of the truth because what I insert in place of the truth appeals to me so much how attracted I am am I to justifiable condemnation how attracted am I to believing that guilt spurs me to improve myself and that um, bearing the burden of guilt keeps me from making the same errors again how much 
have I accepted that um, the notion of full innocence or full forgiveness lets too many people off the hook? Um, How much have I staked my claim on an outlook toward life and guilt and condemnation and innocence? Staked my claim in reference to those things in a way that keeps the truth at bay. It just keeps, unconsciously, keeps the truth at bay because the truth would undo so many things that I've invested in. How invested am I in condemnation and grievance and guilt? That's the question he asks me here. Um, so he walks through and he, and he, uh, he, he makes me understand this attraction to sin, which I've explained in this way. For him to say, I find sin attractive or accept sin as my goal is to say to me that I have continued to find my substitute for what the truth would reveal to me more attractive than the truth. That is to find sin attractive. Sin in this work, in this book, never means anything to me other than a reference to the fantasy about everything that takes the place of the reality of everything when the ego is my guide. With the ego as my guide, I believe mistakenly something about everything. And the attraction of that alternate to what the truth would reveal, he calls in this work, sin. But it's not a, not a word with guilt attached at all. It just references how my alternative to the truth of everything appeals to me. The attraction of sin Accepting goal, sin is my goal instead of truth is my goal. That's all that he's referring to. As he uh, works through this section, he does remind me that holy relationship is my deliverance from everything that my normal sense of reality had offered me. My normal sense of reality separates me off from everyone and from everything. Holy relationship, that direct experience that comes to me in a holy instant, the recognition that I genuinely am in holy relationship with everything I behold, when I come to it as love directs instead of as fear authors, that holy relationship delivers me from everything of a sense of alienation or a sense of isolation and separation. Holy relationship applied to the deliverance of a special relationship into holy relationship is only one form of the holy relationship that he tells me 
a holy instant um, instills in me toward everything that I come to know in truth. Always coming to know something in truth delivers it from what I believed about it in fantasy or illusion. And it's always grander and more whole than anything I had known before. That's the sense in which he can tell me in 67, one instant spent together, restores the universe to both of you. Can you see what it would be to both deliver and uh, explore holy relationship with all things and then come to one who stands welcoming the radiance my gaze extends to that other and is prepared to return that holy gaze upon me and the two of us stand together in holy relationship with all and everything naturally one instant spent together in such a relationship restores the universe to both of us it's it's a beautiful single sentence and it does hint at the exceptional crucible that a mutual holy relationship offers for that union in that gathering awareness of what it is to both accept and reflect and receive of another that holy relationship with all things just a beautiful thing so um i think i'm ready to close it uh this relationship of the activity of the body to this sense of i need do nothing um what he describes in this section is that my whole relationship with the body is altered when i no longer conceive of the body as a means of of deriving or bringing to myself what the ego persuades me i need seek or gather when i no longer think of the body as a getting tool and i think instead of the body as a giving tool and a tool and a means by where whereby i extend across the world all that my heart begins to gather unto myself of what i am genuinely that's where the body ceases to be that which demands attention of me and becomes the place instead where the holy spirit comes and there abides i'm looking at the sentence in 69 that says to do nothing is to rest and make a place within you where the activity of the body ceases to demand attention create a place within me where the holy spirit comes and there abides how much am i willing to recognize that the sense of the body normally in my day prevents that quiet center from being acknowledged and um and established his conclusion to this section 
is to say that when I establish that quiet center beyond the demands of the body, the instruction that comes to me then allows me to be directed how to use the body sinlessly, no longer in the service of fantasy or illusion. He says, in conclusion, it's this center from which the body is absent that will keep the body used sinlessly in my awareness of it. It will keep the body um, removed from that kind of primacy and only being used in the service of spirit in my awareness of it. I need not deny the body, but ask that spirit reveal to me how the body can be used faithfully and sinlessly in the service of spirit. Thanks. I'm complete. Wow, really good. Thanks, Lee. Yeah, thank, thank you, you Lee. That was beautiful. beautiful. Thank you. Thank you, Lee. Survey. Thank you. You were. Thank you, Lee. That was thank incredible, Lee. Thank you. Oh, as you're you, welcome. Thank you. As you were speaking, um, I was thinking of, you know, this book uh, encourages me to have complete reliance on my Holy Spirit, my Creator, my higher mind. Well, you know, my higher mind is completely integrated. Um, my Ego is not because it's, it's identified with the body instead of with spirit. And it, this book is telling me to have complete reliance on spirit, on my relationship with God. And that encourages me to do nothing because I'm a human doing. And when I trust and rely completely on God, I, I have to do nothing and then start inquiring what what would you have me do where would you have me go instead of uh thinking i should start doing in order to fix a situation or or make it more how i want it is to trust and completely rely on god rather than on my thoughts turn it over i'm complete Thank you, Sandra. Thank you, Sandra. Thank you, Sandra. Good points. That was good. Thank you, Sandra. It took, it took a while to find my phone. Hi. Good morning, everybody. It's Jude. I want to apologize for my harshness with myself 
And if anybody felt like it was a reflection upon them, don't be mistaken. <laughs> oh, it was just Jude being Jude. And, um, you know, the, the daily reflection uh, has really brought me to a sweet place. And I came to it by asking myself, what kingdom is my world today? Because I have two points of view, and that's, that's really apparent to me when I have difficulty, which I was having a difficult time with myself yesterday. And coming from the limited sense of a painful body, and um, I don't know how that got... Usually I don't get so cramped up in it, but I did yesterday. And then I just started spewing it and became environmental pollution. But this idea of um, there is only the love of God, there is only the, the will of God. And um, I thank you all for your shares, and um, Karen especially yours today was so simple and clear. You know, that this, this book and the, these exercises take us to the simple truth of who we are which is love and which is just our purity, you know, that we think we can be wrong, we think we can make mistakes, but that it never affects or changes the truth about who we are. And um, so going back to the, I bless the world because I bless myself, it doesn't come from my small sense of self for me this morning because I don't, I don't get that. Judy's small sense of herself doesn't get what what holiness even means. It's so limited and um, small. And I think that's, you know, where I'm not a body, not identifying with the small self within the body is really setting me free, setting my will free, setting the will of a boundless, limitless love free, that I cannot be contained and, um, you know, that that's what love is. It's total lack of limit. It can't be limited. It's limitless. And there's only the love of God. And that, that you know, that the, there is no love. Where is it in the text, Lee or Lori, that says there's no love in the world without the love, hate, ambivalence? because we've identified with our, our sense of lack of it. And that is the mistake in our self-appraisal, that I think I am lacking in love is the biggest mistake in our self-appraisal. It totally, totally is just a, um, a mistake to appraise ourselves as being without perfect love, the perfect limitless love of God within us. And when I go there, to that place where I, I, I'm, I'm, in, I'm in lack of that, of course I'm afraid. That's the definition of fear. And, it, and, it, and I experience myself in a state that is non-existent as far as God's, God's reality as he created me to be. I've, I've, I've separated myself from my own holy kingdom, the kingdom, my world, my world, is God would have me see it, full, full and edgeless, boundaryless, perfect love everywhere. 
love looking, looking, reaching to everything, and and as itself, love no true perfect love of God knows no bodies, and I know that that line is in this text somewhere. I don't know where it is, but you know these things are like these ideas that this book speaks of are are beyond the world, transcendent of the world, and it enables us to know ourselves as we are in truth and not as we make ourselves. The difference between what we make, you know, that we're not co-creators in God in, in this one respect that we have invented this self-concept of ourselves and bodies. And it says that in the very first chapter. So, um, so, um, so, um, <laughs> we need to do nothing because there's nothing to do. As God created us, we are perfect, and there's no improving upon perfection. There's nothing to do. Nothing to do. Absolutely nothing to do. There's nothing to do. So, um, I guess I'll stop there, but I'm always glad that um, Lee and Lori and, and you all are here. I so love you all. And I, I honor and appreciate you being here for me and with me in our journey home, which there's nowhere to go and nothing to do. So. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, Jude. Thank you, Judy. That was lovely, Judy. Thank you. Yeah, I really enjoyed that. Thank you, Judy. Thank you. Really quick, this is Sandra. Um, in this particular lesson, who is the I? For I need do nothing is the ego. That's the ego I. I'm complete. Most excellent point. <laughs> that is the point. Thank you, Sandra. I just wanted to thank Ida, too, for revisiting something that I've been looking at, that if there are no bodies, there are no acts. And naturally, there's logically nothing to do because <laughs> spirit and knowing does not require any doing. <laughs> Thank you all. Thank you. Thanks, Judy. Oh, good morning, everyone. This is Lori. And uh, gosh, I've just really enjoyed the shares today. <laughs> the eye that is the doer is the ego. That's um, that was my experience for sure. Um, thinking about this this morning and how to talk about it. Um. I saw it a lot in the same way that you did, Karen, because I, too, spent 
a great deal of time trying to fight against sin as well as long periods of prayer trying to detach from the idea of myself that I so condemned and even even in my uh, sleeping dreams Holy Spirit wouldn't let that happen I've talked before about that sleeping dream of the love boat where Christ is at the sail and at the rudder and I'm waiting at the mass doing nothing so happily aware that I need to do nothing that was in a dream in my sleep and I'm so grateful that in the holy instant that dream was translated into reality God Almighty what a beautiful way to look at this chapter dreams and reality something you shared Sandra reminded me of early in this early in this very chapter in 1830 chapter 18 paragraph 39 he says you find it personally insulting personally insulting that you need to do so little and he says prepare you not for the undoing of what never was the separation never was except insofar as this I divided my awareness when when I had a dream that I left my father what happened was I divided my awareness into compartments and in those compartments I considered my reality to be my conscious waking awareness where I'm the doer I'm the interpreter I'm the translator I'm the controller I'm a human doer and that division of consciousness in my mind split my mind it split my mind and that split made me think that I lived in this body this I this ego is nothing more than just a compartment in the full awareness of reality the full awareness of reality is the healing of my mind I need to let that miracle come to me he says in that very first paragraph you have too much faith in the body as a source of strength no one accepts atonement for himself who still accepts this split in the mind this split in the mind as the goal thus I've not met my one responsibility my one responsibility being to release being to release I think it says that in paragraph 18 of this work let me find it takes me a minute because I have too many tabs open yeah you merely ask the question the answer is given seek not to answer but merely receive the answer as it is given 
I who am host to God am worthy of him. He who established his dwelling place in me created it as he would have it be. It is not needful that I make ready for him, but only that I do not interfere with his plan, his plan to restore me to me my own awareness of my readiness which is eternal. I need add nothing to his plan, but to receive it I must be willing not to substitute my own, and that is all. Add more and you merely take away the little that is asked. I'm the one who made guilt and separation. That was my plan. It is only fear that I add if I try to prepare myself for love. Preparation for the holy instant belongs to him who gives it. Release yourselves to him whose function is release. That's what paragraph um, 66 says to me. Release yourselves. It's impossible to accept the holy instant without reservation unless for an instant you are willing to see no past or future. That's release. In my experience, it felt like falling. Um, but the fall, the fall is that release of the split of conscious awareness. He says the soul knows that the consciousness of all its brothers is included in its own as it is included in God. When I release that split, the miracle of atonement happens of itself because it was always the truth that was always the truth. The image of a body at the mast doing nothing is simply that, an image, a dream I had of myself. In reality, in reality, this is Christ. Paul, St. Paul said, it is not I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And I find it um, very reassuring that here's a man I don't mean to be wild about all this, but I'm, I'm just um, I'm just so um, in that knowing place that the atonement accomplishes everything and restores the entire truth to my awareness. Here's a man that was was on his way to condemn and correct his brothers. When all of a sudden, Christ's awareness knocked him off his horse and he was blind. For days he was blind. And he heard the voice of Christ saying, Paul, Paul, why do you persecute me? And this is what we do to ourselves in this split of consciousness dedicated to sin, belief and guilt. All of that is an invention of the ego whereby we persecute ourselves, judge ourselves unworthy to be the dwelling place of God. And when finally the scales fell from his eyes, he realized, he realized the truth of holiness. 
and it took time for him to realize that holiness was not only his own but holiness belonged to all creation and the more he blessed the more he realized he was blessed and the more he blessed the more he realized he was blessed and over time over time he realized the truth of this entire arrangement <laughs> God's plan for salvation and said it is not I who lives but Christ who lives in me that was st. Paul and that's been my own awareness the more I bless the more I realize I'm blessed this is God's plan for salvation I need to do so little that he can do so much this work he says little children little children realize their complete dependence on God and that's what the relationship of the son to the father is complete dependence just complete dependence we have three lessons three unequivocal lessons in this book with no wiggle room lesson 74 there is no will but God's lesson 127 there is no love but God's and lesson 200 there is no peace but God when I release myself to the truth of that I realize the fiction the total fiction the total dream that there was ever any individual personal person here that was an image I made of myself and God through the Holy Spirit returns me to my right relationship with him and with all creation that right holy relationship I love how you described it Leah it's a beautiful survey and I'm so thankful for this life this life where over and over and over we have the same opportunity to bless and be blessed until I'm able to realize with St. Paul there is not I who live but Christ who lives in me I'm complete So oh, really beautiful. Thank you, Lori. Thank you, Lori. Thanks, Lori. <laughs> so many places I I thought to end this call. I love lesson one hundred and sixty nine. But what I've heard today is this. It's from chapter 11, the Guide for Miracles. It says, I am the manifestation of the Holy Spirit, and when you see me, it will be because you have invited him. For he will send you his witnesses, if you will, but look on them. Remember always that you see what you seek, for what you seek you will find. The ego finds what it seeks and only that it does not find love for that it's not what it is seeking 
Yet seeking and finding are the same. And if you seek for two goals, you will find them, but you will not recognize either, for you will think they're the same because you want them both. When you find, when you want only love, you will see nothing else. The contradictory nature of the witnesses you perceive is merely the reflection of your conflicting invitations. You've looked upon your minds and accepted opposition there, having sought it there. But do not then believe the witnesses for opposition are true, for they attest only to your decision about reality, returning to you the message you gave them. Love is recognized by its messengers. If you make love manifest, its messengers will come to you because you invited them. Mm. The power of decision is your one remaining freedom as prisoner of this world. You can decide to see it right. What you made of it is not its reality, for its reality is only what you gave it. You cannot really give anything but love to anyone or anything nor can you really receive anything else from them if you think you've received anything else it's because you looked within and thought you saw the power to give something else within yourself when you have accepted your mission to protect peace you will find it for by making it manifest you will see it its holy witnesses will surround you because you called upon them and they came to you when you look within and see me it will be because you have decided to manifest truth and as you manifest it you will see it both within and without for you'll see it without because you saw it first within Everything you behold without is a judgment of what you beheld within. If it's your judgment, it will be wrong. If it is the judgment of the Holy Spirit, it will be right, for judgment is his function. You share his function only by judging as he does, reserving no judgment at all to yourselves. I think that's complete. Thank you, Laurie, and Lee. Amen, and everybody. Thank you, Laurie. Thanks, Thank everyone. You, everyone. Thank you, Laurie. Thanks, guys. Thanks, everybody.